0: Thank you for joining us for another round of Think Like a Leader. Electric International wants to make sure that we bring you and the leaders of the industry together so that you can get a better picture of what has made them a leader over the years. With us this morning is Mike McPhee. Mike has two hats actually. He is connected with McPhee Electric based out of Connecticut. And he is also president and CEO of Falcon, Now Falcon is like an umbrella company and they have a lot of different expertise. They all work together to make the industry stronger and better. So Mike, my first question is, every company leader wants to project an image of knowing how to run the business, how to attract new business, make a good profit and keep going. So how do you approach the task of making sure that you're taking the right steps so that McPhee and Falcon, working together and working with your other partners, are on the right path.
1: Well, good morning, Carolyn, and uh, great to hear from you. Um, it's interesting in your, in your question, um, I think about the preface to your question a little bit, where you say, you know, every company leader wants to uh, project an image. Um, I guess I'll back up, just a little bit because that can appear to be um, having it be something about the leader himself. Uh, whereas I really don't think I worry too much about projecting image. So I'm going to apologize if I ramble a little bit here with you. No,
0: you go for it. This is your interview. Okay, good.
1: So, um, so from, my, from my point of view is that as a leader, um, you grow a set of skills over a period of time, and you have different positions of authority over a certain period of time. And so, as I thought about this, you know, you were going right to the how, and I go, I don't think I can answer that that easily. So I took a, I'm going to take a little step back and say, I'm going to look at things from an aspirational point of view. And uh, it's worked out pretty well, but I'll just kind of give you a, sort of a personal experience, m- more of a reflection. Okay. So, um, does that does that make some sense to you? Absolutely. If I ever, okay. So, so you know, oh, when you're wow. on in your career, you have a tendency to what what's important at that point in your career are you know achievement type things that you have to do. You have to. Know your industry, you have to work hard, you know, you have to do the blocking and tackling, be on time, know the technology, learn what you do and um, and get noticed. I would even say that even as a small company, you need to get noticed in the industry. Um, And it's very important that you develop those skills, but what you start to learn really early on is that in order for a company to grow, you have to mentor others in those skills. You, you become a bottleneck. And so when you learn how to uh, go through that and try and mentor people, um, it leads me to something that I'm going to, and now I'm going to go backwards a little on you. Um, I'm going to tell you about an experience I had that I think made me, prepared me for that. And it's kind of the idea of leverage. So as a young man, uh, when I was going through school, I always thought I wanted to be a physician. And uh, why do you want to do that? Well, you know, you could make a good living, you'd be respected in your community, you would be doing good things for others. Sounded like a pretty good, pretty good thing. And uh, as I was going through my career and I was kind of thinking school and that's what I was gonna do, um, it's really interesting, my father, uh, one time said, "I'd really like you to talk to people in professional and uh, professional jobs and see what they think about their jobs and it started with a physician. and uh, so I talked to this physician and I realized that he wasn't very happy in his in his career. so I'm sitting there and I'm going, this is what I'm supposed to want to be and Whatever, and he's really not that happy. So I started thinking about some other things. I talked to an attorney. He didn't appear to be too happy in what he is doing. And uh, who knows who else, who else we talked to? I think I even talked to a professional engineering guy. Anyway, long long story short is I told my father that I was a little bit. Now you you have to remember my father started our business a little later in his life, so. So, I mean, he probably started it when I was 15. So anyway, while I was talking about it, at one point I realized my father was pretty happy at what he did. He was a pretty happy guy, he was doing good things. He was starting to make it because he finally had started a business. Um, And uh, one time he said to me, he goes, well, I guess it kind of depends, Mike, on whether you want to make $100 an hour or you would rather work with people and uh, y'all make it, you know, you make a dollar an hour. And I said, wow, so that gives us a chance to figure out how you leverage success across multiple people. And um, to so back to my point, in order to grow a business, you realize you have to make the whole business be successful at the end of the day. And to do that, the people and the stakeholders in the business have to benefit from it. So I think what I learned early on is that you need to be able to leverage expertise that you have in your business, and you do that by mentoring people and bringing them along and letting
0: them uh, benefit from the fruits of the business. And that's okay. That that leads me to another question, yep. kind of related to this. Some company leaders tend to thrive on learning from their peers, and, and while others tend to go it alone. In your company, both on the McPhee side and on the Falcon side, do you encourage both your own staff and others to participate in education and networking as a means to improve their own knowledge and expertise? Do you consider that an important part of being able to grow your business?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, you can't, um, in, in the ever-changing world we're in now, there's you never can stop being curious and creative in, in the way you approach things. And certainly a lot of that cannot come, you know, that, that comes from being around other smart people and other people that are, uh, you know, uh, addressing the same challenges you are.
0: Do you consider yourself to be innovative?
1: Yeah, I would say we're, we're, so again, so I'm going to answer the question as a company as opposed to me. Okay. I think we, I think we are innovative. Um, I think we've always said in our company, we're N minus one technology adopters, which means because of our industry being fairly mature and has a lot of pressure on margins, we need to make sure we're adopting technology that already is proven and works. Um, so the technology might be developed, but then how you apply it might be the might be what we really have to go through.
0: Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I would add one thing. I think I think um, early on, uh, as we think about technology, it was almost easier to adopt because it was very linear in terms of, you know, what people were um bringing to market and what was working. And it was really clear what things you should do. And it was nowadays, there's so much new tech. There's so many solutions. There's so many problems being solved by technology that it really requires that you learn how to manage that process a lot better nowadays.
0: Do you think that there are too many contractors out there that tend to avoid the new technology on the basis of, I can do it just as well the old way and I don't have to learn the new way and I don't have to have staff take their time to learn the new way. Is that still out there or have people gotten past that?
1: So that's interesting. I would say, I'm gonna answer your question again, nuanced. Um, Yes, people are afraid at times to adopt technology, but I don't think it's so much about wanting to do it the old way. And this kind of goes back to my previous comment. I don't think they know what to do at times because there's so many different solutions coming at them. So I'll give you, for instance, depending on what market segment you're in, you also have clients that are pushing technology on you, right? Right. So, So sometimes you might be the fortunate person. You get a certain job, they force the technology on you and it makes you a better company. That's a good thing. Okay. Sometimes you can work for a client and they give you the wrong thing. You adopt it, you think it's the right thing, and then you got to kind of change, you know? So all of us need to have people in our companies that are looking out for the technologies and making uh, uh, very cognizant decisions about how they're adopting it and what its return on investment is for them.
0: Just as the technology changes, people change too. And I'm sure that every day, you're constantly looking at the people that you have trying to decide if they're going to be good new leaders for your company, whether you're talking about just on the McPhee side or on the whole Falcon side. So what are some of the characteristics that you would advise other contractors to look for when they are trying to evaluate who might be the next round of leaders for their companies?
1: Okay, so, you know, one I've already sort of talked about, being curious and creative, I think, is a big, a big part okay. of what we're looking for. Uh, however, I would also say that one of the traits we look for in folks is uh, what I'd call resiliency, right? Mm-hmm. The world is throwing a lot of... Um, the world's kind of messy right now. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, rhetoric out there that appeals to people's emotions and whatever. And as a leader, you want to look for people that can just calm the world down a little bit get people to take a deep breath and uh, realize that what you really want to do is put the work into uh, team goals. So I think one of the things we look for with people is, um, you know the ability to be resilient, um, and then I think what goes along with that a little bit, if I may, is seeing things from another point of view. Right? The okay. World, the world is, you know, more than even three dimensions, and and being empathetic and seeing and looking at the world from other um, from other uh, views, I think, is important.
0: So. Obviously, the COVID 19 virus has impacted everybody in thousands of different ways. What kind of changes did you have to make in order to weather the COVID storm? Were there specific things that you thought I'll never have to do that? And then you found out, yeah, I do have to do that.
1: Yeah, so, you know, we're based here in Connecticut. Uh, we have operations throughout the mid Atlantic and all the way out to Tennessee we operate all the way out to almost you know niagara falls in new york and what have you so we have quite a geography when this pandemic first hit and it started getting ramped up of course uh new york was sort of an epicenter and so was you know the new england states and whatever so we immediately had to get on we we formed a COVID task force amongst our companies right away we were having bi-weekly meetings and, and of course the way that the pandemic presents itself to the companies is interfaced with the way the States look at it and governments look at it. And so people were being told different things, even in the same state, you we were being told different things we needed. Again, this is back to calm everything down and then saying, listen, what are we driven by? We're driven by keeping our people safe. Right? So we're not going to, we're not going to cede the authority or the responsibility to keep our people safe to anybody else other than us. And that created some issues. So we had to get together. We, we were declared to be a uh, uh, essential business. Uh, so people were supposed to go to work. Well, we had right. some wanted to go to work. We had some people who didn't want to go to work. We had some jobs that we didn't want our people to go to work on, right? Because there were too many other trade on the job, even though uh, the customer was focusing us on getting there and not giving us any relief. So the long story short is, is, I can't tell you that there was any one answer, but what I did is had a team of leaders on the phone that were able to assimilate the different inputs that were coming into us, both statistically from the government and uh, from uh, health professionals to try and, you know, you know, to weather it. I can tell you that we've had nobody that's been hospitalized, and certainly no one that's passed away. And so for that, we knock on wood and we're very fortunate, but we remain vigilant.
0: Do you think that some of the changes, perhaps on the safety side or the operational side that you put into effect during the pandemic months, are those the kinds of things that you will keep that prove to be worthwhile overall and that you would recommend? Um, maybe an example or two to some of the other contractors that are listening to this interview this morning?
1: Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting one. Um, I think, you know, I think that, you know, this uh, infectious disease situation probably will always hang with us just a little bit. So there'll be some hangover in making sure that, uh, you know, you don't have people come to work uh, when they're not feeling well and that kind of thing. I think that for, uh, I'm going to get a little tactical. The, you know, we had this Indira agreement that Nika, you know, put together with the IBW very early on, which I thought was really, really beneficial to the industry. It's one of the times where we reacted very, very quickly, okay. but within, but within that Indira agreement are many of, many of the things that are in there are just simple workforce flexibility type um. um Initiatives, and I think we should look at that Endear agreement and see if there's any of that that should be um, adopted overall in 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 how we respond to our clients. I think there was some really thoughtful um, actions in that agreement that I'd like to see uh, pushed forward. And the one other thing is obviously the virtual teams and the technology that's come forward with people being able to collaborate. That's certainly Here forever. All all, uh, the pandemic did was accelerate that, though. That was coming anyway.
0: You mentioned NECA, and obviously, you're very involved with NECA. You currently serve as the member of the executive committee representing District One. You are very involved with Electric International, and you had its audit committee, and you were on the Electric Council. What would you advise other contractors about? how to get the most that they can and be better leaders by being involved with nika does that have an influence on someone's ability to be a leader is nika a good influence on all of that for you
1: yes so we've been you know we've been a member of nika since my father formed a company in 1973 i think I think our company's about ready to go into another wave and a change in ownership, right? My father owned the business, now my brother and I do. And and certainly I've got, I've got children in the business and so does my brother. Um, I think that um, Nika for my father was extremely influential in getting him ready to how to prosecute the work and some of the, uh, you know, getting him educated on many of the nuances and uh, intricacies of how to be successful in, you know, our industry. I think uh, my father got to a point where he was giving back. He was a former District 1 VP. He right. was giving back. I came along. Uh, I've learned a lot uh, in my relationships with people at Nika, and uh, taking advantage of the education. I think It's kind of interesting. So personally, I feel like I'm giving back now, but at the same time, the company's going into a transition and I expect that NECA and its services and its education and its uh, camaraderie is gonna be beneficial to them as as we prosecute the next uh, transition of the business.
0: Mike, some contractors tend to start small and they find their sweet spot and they're comfortable without needing to grow larger. But others always have in mind becoming uh, bigger and better, and they know it's going to take a lot of effort, but they want that biggerness to their companies. What would you advise them are some of the key things that they need to keep in mind when making the decision whether they find a niche, which is a good niche for them, but they're never going to become a mega size company, or whether they should continue to push? for becoming larger and larger. Is there a happy medium that you recommend?
1: Well, I think this is where you, you know, individual um, business owners and entrepreneurs need to figure out their own risk profile, right? Okay. What they're comfortable with. So, and, and, and I would also take a step back and it has something to do with what they want to do in their, their personal life. Um, uh, You know, Business doesn't exist for the business. It exists for the people and the owners, you know, the people that are in it. And uh, you need to be comfortable with that. Um, So I, I don't think there's any one right size. You know, I think that I would prefer that the industry was easier to be successful. I would prefer that it would make that more people would be willing to take the risk, you know what I mean, to grow. I think that would okay. be good for our industry. Um, but it's it's difficult now, I, I even think in my, if I think back and I reflect on my career, pushing through the midsize, I think is the hardest part. I think our, our ten, companies have a tendency to be barbelled, either small and nichey, or they're getting rather large like Interesting. ours. Um, I think partially that's um, imparted on us from regulatory agencies, not just uh, internal to our industry. You know, everything we're doing now requires a lot more paperwork, a lot more regulation, a lot more investment. And so pushing through to getting larger um, gets a lot more risky than it used to be.
0: Electric International is making significant inroads and effort to work very cooperatively with NECA in a lot of different ways, particularly translating the results of research into quality education for the contractors and their teams. Where do you see, in your mind's eye, where do you see Electri and where do you see Nika five years from now? Are they just doing more of the same? Are there certain things that you would say, you know, Carolyn, they're going to miss the boat if they're not looking at X? How would you answer that?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm going to uh, take an opportunity to maybe de-conflate. You know, Nika and Electri are certainly very, they're like sister organizations. And Correct. You know, supports and and is the, you know, founding, you know, genesis, genesis of uh, Electri. I think it's really important for Electri to stay focused on leading edge uh, issues in the industry. Uh, I would also maybe even suggest that sometimes uh, Electri be pushing up against things that aren't even necessarily our industry, but our trends, which I think we do. Um, and, and keep focused on that. And then uh, allow NECA to take that research and effectuate that into, um, into training classes and things that are um, you know, pertinent to the, to the contractors and the members of NECA. I think we've done a good job with that. Um, I look forward to, you know, working with Josh for more. I don't think I'll ever not be involved in electry. My my background as an electrical engineer makes me a little uh, geeky and nerdy anyway. And uh, I always love going to those meetings. So I would promote more geeky and nerdy and uh, electry and more practical and, uh, you know, uh, effectuating, you know, you know, the training in Mika.
0: Okay. Does that make some sense? Does that make some sense? That makes total sense. I have, I've finished my round of questions for you. Is there anything else that you would like to add to explain to our audience what it means to be a leader? And we know you are a leader, so, don't go shy on me. Don't tell me you're not a leader because you are. So what do you want? What's the last thing you want to tell our audience as something that they can go home and say, wow, I never thought of it that way. But a bit of advice from Mike McPhee.
1: Yeah. So um, it's funny you ask. I, I'm going to I got to think about it a little bit, but I'm really never at a loss for words. But I'll no, try I know. Not, I'll try not to ramble on too much. Uh, I think that, um, you know, and again, I got to do this based on reflection, you know, you were asking a question about growing or staying a certain size. Right. I can tell you that there's some people that think that, you know, we always had this plan to be the size that we are. That was really never the case. Um, it sort of happened where we prepared for it. Yes. Um, and so I think. That if I was given leaders' advice, I would say you have to be authentic to what is important to you, and and when you're authentic to that and you keep learning, um, opportunities will present themselves. You know, and uh, you know, and if that's the case, I think you'll be pretty successful. Um, so you got to get your people on your on your team. You probably have to have one other, one other little thing is would be to have a a degree of persuasion in you um, when you're working with your folks. It's a, you know, in in order to effectuate change in people in an organization, you need to be persuasive. And, uh, but the best way to be persuasive is to be authentic. You know what I mean? In your management style. So- those are the things that I would say, because, you know, I think those have served me well over the years.
0: Well, Mike, you are one of the most authentic people I have ever known. And I would say the same thing about your dad, knowing him for mm-hmm. all these years as well. We really do appreciate your time this morning. And we appreciate your involvement with both Electric International and with Nika. And for our audience, this is an ongoing series. You'll enjoy Mike's video presentation on the Electri website in a few days. Thank you again, Mike, for your time. And that's it for now.
1: Thank you, Carolyn. Really appreciated talking with you.